0: Welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman. On this show, Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. Myself, we're going to preview Florida's trip to Rupp Arena Saturday night, take on the Kentucky Wildcats. Kentucky's ranked 10th, two-game lead in the SEC for the Cats. Uh, But the Gators, at least entering Rupp Arena, control their own destiny. If they win out, they're SEC champions. So a lot at stake at Rupp, and we're going to break it down for you. Enjoy. Hey everybody, Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South. I'm with Eric Fawcett, who is live from the uh, Las Vegas Pacific time zone uh, part of the world. Vegas is one of those places where they have like mountain for part of the year and Pacific for part of the year. I don't, I think Eric, I I don't know that for sure, but I feel like that's right. (laughs) Um, Uh, (laughs) How's Vegas?
1: Oh, Vegas is great. My, my, uh, my wife, Rachel just loves to rock climb and, uh, uh, that's what they're here for. We're like not staying on the strip or doing anything too much of that. But, you know, I took in a UNLV game. I took in some of the Nevada state high school playoffs. So I'm getting, uh, getting as much basketball as possible, but uh, yeah, big, uh, I really appreciate it. Really appreciate you making it work, Neil, uh, working around my schedule. Um, I'm also in a, uh, you know, in an Airbnb with, uh, my uh my parents-in-law my brother and uh, sister-in-law a cousin and a one-year-old so uh the one-year-old is 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 pretty loud i i am i am in what can only be described as uh, the uh, acoustic isolation chamber 5000 that i've built out of blankets and uh and pillows so uh uh, but, I, but if you do hear some, uh, some babies screaming in the background and maybe a mother uh, or a father trying to tell that kid to be quiet, um, I do apologize. Uh, but we'll see. I, I, this is, I, the setup I've got here is I might actually have to tweet this out. Um, I'm pretty proud of it. But anyways, um, Vegas is great. While uh, So I actually didn't watch the Arkansas game live because, uh, uh, because I, was, uh, I was at a UNLV game. But uh, I, being able to watch it again, kind of knowing the outcome, knowing... Uh, a, a little bit of discussion around the game and then i watched it twice i still uh yeah obviously saw it, a good feel for it and also got it had a chance to uh uh to dig into kentucky so anyways uh vegas is good to answer your question
0: no that's awesome that's a that's a great side story and of course it also gave us a chance to have uh the excellent graham hall on the pod talk arkansas so just shout out to graham i thought uh he he dropped a lot of really good knowledge oh uh, yeah i i thought that was just actually just
1: so good like i uh, neil you've had some great guests on When i uh when I haven't been here, but I just thought this, uh, this one with Graham was, uh, was particularly just so good. And like, I just thought you two were like old friends cause it just had that, <laughs> that natural feel to it. So, uh, I hope that was great for, uh, for everyone listening to have, uh, have Graham pinch hit while I was out. Um, I would love to do one with all three of us. We'll have to do that sometime. But, uh, yeah, yeah I thought I, Graham Hall came in like, uh, like Omar Payne off the bench, just, uh, yeah. up the productivity for me and, uh, changed the tempo of the game. I, I thought he did great. So, uh, uh, yeah, shout out to him. He just, he did, he did really well.
0: Yeah, he really was terrific. Um, so Florida, Florida gets a win. Uh, we actually wanted to start prior to that. There was one of the better features I thought last year that the Athletic did, and I know not everybody's a subscriber. So the Athletic uh, did a feature a season ago that they had coaches, mid-season coaches, comment on other teams, and um, they did the they did this the story again and it was funny because they wrote like duke is very susceptible there was one coach that was like i think duke is the most vulnerable power Six team," and of course they got their doors blown off by nc state like two days after they published it um but i wanted to read our listeners eric the take on on florida and then kind of get your take on the take all right so here was what the opposing sec coach had to say about florida and there's a lot to unpack in here. Uh, their two freshmen, Scotty Lewis and Trey Mann, came in as McDonald's All-Americans, but they haven't lived up to that. Mann doesn't impact the game. He's not very tough. They're, co- they're good college players, but they're not the type who can come in and really impact the game in a huge way. They have limited depth. Kerry Blackshear is a good college player, but he's not what people think. He's not very athletic. He's smart, but he's not a shot blocker. He struggles with his back to the basket. You just have to try to take away his ankles. He's not a guy who would jump over you and make shots. Mike White is a really good coach, but his talent is overrated. Eric,
1: yeah, there's there's tons there. So I mean, I'll I'll try to have to do this in like I'll try to do some like small bites, but uh, uh, there's definitely a lot I want to get to. Um, I mean, like uh, first of all, I mean, like you mentioned these athletic things with like anonymous coaches i i adore them i eat this stuff up like i, I they, so there's some genuinely really interesting notes and um uh there's like there's a lot of coaches who are like anonymous awesome here we go and they really kind of empty the chamber and uh this one wasn't uh you know wasn't too bad in the scheme of things like some people are just like extremely rude and it makes for amazing uh, uh a reading but this is definitely not someone who's like a rival of the gators or, or someone trying to just flame everyone but um I, what the yeah i mean let's start just kind of the way that they, uh, uh, the way that the the order in which they kind of bring things up. I mean, uh, saying that that, that Scotty Lewis and Trey Mann haven't lived up to being McDonald's All-Americans, I would say that's probably fair. Um, I, I I don't really have any big problem with that. Um, when he says Mann doesn't impact the game, he's not very tough. Uh, so first of all, I mean, anyone who doesn't think Trey Mann is tough. Uh, like I just or whoever wrote this really probably saw Florida or played Florida earlier in the season when you right. know what man didn't play much and maybe the the, the what okay a- anyone who's watched Trey man recently where he has really gotten into guys defensively and has taken a, a ton of charges I-, I think he shows toughness and I think that there's a very particular style of guard in college basketball that people really typecast as as not being very tough and his you know historically that has been light-skinned combo guards that can shoot off the dribble and those guys are not known for being tough look at steph curry he has the same reputation i think he's tougher than people think and uh you know so i so i did have a problem with you know someone saying that man wasn't tough i i think it's one thing to say it doesn't impact the game uh, i don't know i just commenting on guys toughness i mean that's uh that's just also just something I think is just actually incorrect when you see the way that he's played recently. But uh, I, I'll stop there after the first statement. What, what, what were your thoughts after those two?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Uh, and I, I think – and Graham and I talked about this a little bit, alluded to it a little bit. I think it takes a lot of toughness to do what Trey Man has done, to, to, to make yourself – about defense and investing on defense when things haven't necessarily gone your way on the offensive end. And, and my other take that, that I kind of uh, – I think Graham and I ended up talking about this off air, and I, I kind of regret that I didn't bring it up. It's my fault. But, like, I feel like offensively Treyman is about to break out. Like, there are things that he's doing that kind of suggest that to me, like attacking a close out and making a really tough layup where he hangs in the air. Uh, like like the fact that his crossover is now starting to lead to like made jumpers instead of jumpers that are way off, uh, just that kind of stuff, Eric.
1: I totally agree. And, and I mean, that's something that, yeah, we've been saying since the beginning of the season. And I still like believe that he there's going to be a game where he just like goes for 25 points off the bench. And it's you, you look earlier in the season, like he had a couple moments where he would like Hesitate guys into oblivion with an in-and-out dribble and get all the way to the hoop and like you said He had some great moments uh, taking contact hanging in the air and then finishing We know he's been able to shoot off the dribble a little bit Uh, It's really just been like the catch-and-shoot that's kind of betrayed him But he I think when you look at some of the times in the season where he was really able to burn guys off the dribble um, You've seen times where his shot off the dribble is falling like when he puts that together He's gonna be unguardable and I do think he's gonna have a game like that and I'm like such a believer that it's going to happen that I'm almost like, Hey, like I, I don't have a problem that it's not going to happen now. Cause it's going to happen like in the round of 32 in the NCAA tournament. Or something. <laughs> right, like, right, right. Like I honestly, like I just really truly believe that he's going to have one of those games. Um, if they don't, you know, people can, uh, uh, people can laugh cause I'll be wrong, but I, I still think he's going to have just like a ridiculous game. So, uh, and yeah, just, just a great point about how to be able like the mental toughness he's, he's shown in changing around his game. Like, Obviously, that's not really something that's going to come out like like when I read this entire quote, it's probably a coach that scouted Florida and played Florida once. And I would say presumably earlier in the season based right. off him saying that man doesn't impact the game because there was a lot of games where man played five, six or seven minutes. So, uh, yeah, I just uh, uh, I, I, I think that someone like that is not going to see the progression of Trey Mann and the toughness he's shown in in, in changing his game. So I can kind of excuse that a little bit.
0: Yeah. So your thoughts on the rest of the, uh, the play? yeah. Oh yeah. Well,
1: I mean, thoughts on Kerry Blackshear. I, I mean, he's like they said, he's not very athletic. He's, sm- he's smart, but he's not a shot blocker. I was like, you know, we, we know he's not a shot blocker. Uh, the one thing that was really interesting was like, he struggles with his back to the basket because, uh, that was something he really did well at Virginia tech, but yeah, he just simply has not been as efficient this year. And it's, it's been kind of interesting because he's definitely had moments where he's been really efficient and, uh, you look at the Vanderbilt game where Vanderbilt was like, hey, you know, he hasn't been that efficient. Let's guard him one-on-one. And then Blackshear's done really, really well. So uh, I kind of like, I I do have to understand, like when you look at a lot of the games Florida's played, like he hasn't been great. I, I just like to say he struggles with, the ba- with his back to the basket. I don't think that there's ever been a stretch where he's been like that bad. Like even like last year, he was incredibly, incredibly efficient with his back to, ba- to the basket at Virginia Tech. This year it's been, uh, definitely a step below that, but he's still been like in the like 0.85 points per possession on post-ups, which is like very average or, or maybe even slightly above. But like that number is not great as it relates to you know other p- kind of types of shots. But um, you, you know I can kind of see why why someone would say that he he struggles a bit with his uh, with his back to the basket. But it's definitely like an interesting statement because it's it's a little bit of what he's known for.
0: Yeah. No. I, I those are. That was kind of the surprising thing for me is like not good with his back to the basket. I'm not really sure that's true. He's he's pretty strong on post-ups. I feel like he gets to the free throw line a lot. I don't know what the percentage is on him getting to the free throw line in terms of when he gets or has proximity to the rim. That might be a, a Haslam metric stat if he did individual oh. stats. That, But but it's probably oh, pretty got,
1: I, I'm pulling this number. I can do this. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. But. I like uh,
1: yeah, and then one, one thing I, I will say, uh, I, like, again, this is not the podcast to open up any, uh, any Mike White discussion. Um, other than I would say, I think he's done a better job these last few games. But uh, uh, one thing that I thought was interesting was that, you know, someone, this coach pointed out, like, hey, Mike, Mike's a good coach. But, uh, you know, his players haven't been great, essentially, and, and his talent is overrated. Um, I will say, you look at all these anonymous coaches kind of polls, like season to season to season. Uh, coaches are really honest they have been like incredibly rude towards players and uh, they've called out players for that they think are really really bad and uh, to to a lesser extent there's like this where he they called some of Florida's players overrated you do not see coaches really ever criticize other coaches and I think a little bit is because like I think college coaches want the idea that if a team struggles it's the players like I don't think any coach likes seeing a team struggle and the media or fans to think it's the coach because uh, a coach of another team is going to be like well if my team struggles i want them to know it's the players and not me <laughs> so i so i will say like that is something you always see is uh, to, like this sentiment of like obviously florida has not been up to expectations um whenever you see a coach talking about that in these anonymous coaches polls uh they always say like oh yeah their talent isn't as good as we thought or this player hasn't played very well uh, You never see them blame the coaches so i, I think that it's an interesting perspective for this guy to just say that Florida's talent is overrated, but, but white is a really good coach. Uh, but I will say, I do think that is a very like biased take when it comes from another coach, even, even when it's, um, even when it's, uh, when it's anonymous.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Florida comes off the Arkansas way. They go to Rupp arena Saturday night to play Kentucky, Kentucky first place in the sec at 10 and two, 21 and five overall. But, you know, Kentucky, kind of uncharacteristically, Eric, didn't play a very difficult out-of-conference schedule and only ranks 229th uh, in Kinpom. Their overall schedule uh, ranks 71st in Kinpom, but actually a 74th in the Haslam metric. Um, so they're kind of a team that you could argue is not nearly as battle-tested as Florida, who has a twenty third. Their non conference strength schedule is 25th. Overall strength of schedule at 37th and one metric, 25th, I think, in the, in the hassle metric. No, 23rd, so even higher. Um, so, you know, Florida is pretty battle-tested. I counted the other day, Florida's had double-digit leads in six of their losses. Uh, so, you know, the one thing that I think is the biggest distinction really between Kentucky and Florida is that Kentucky's a much more consistent basketball team. Like, we kind of know who they are at this point. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I do think just one thing that
1: needs to just shape all our discussion about Kentucky is that, like, like what are they in the AP poll right now? Are they 10th? I, I don't even remember it because I don't really look at the AP poll. but uh,
0: I'll tell you what, in a
1: second. But while you say that, like, there's a lot of discussion about them being, like, a top 10 or top 10, like, team. They are 10th. That. So they're 10th. You... I, I knew that they were, like, somewhere around there. You need, like, you need to get that out of your head as, like, a fan that Kentucky's top 10 because if you look at, like, any metric, they're not that. Like, in Ken Palm, uh, they're 29. In Bartorovic, they're 31st. Um, like, in the Massey Composite, they're they're twenty 21st. Um, I didn't actually look what, what they are in, uh, I don't know if you've got has the Metrics up there or if you 30. just mention it, maybe.
0: They're 33rd. Yeah, so,
1: 30. yeah and, and in the net, they were, like, 22nd. So like, there's no metric that suggests that they're the tenth best team in the country. So I just think like, you know, you're, when Florida plays them, you're going to see the number ten by their name. But like, by every you know metric that is that ranks college basketball teams, um, Kentucky is not that. And I mean, that's got to give the Gators hope that they can go in and get a win at Rupp, just because uh, the adva- all these advanced uh, all these advanced numbers they don't they don't love Kentucky. So uh, I, I do think that's pretty interesting, especially when um, like Neil was saying, like they have been consistent uh, so it's not like they're they've been prone to these like massive wins and terrible losses I know they had obviously the Evansville loss and
0: that was a long time
1: ago but uh, but again I just I do think it's just like really worth noting that like the AP poll which I think is a terrible way to gauge how good a team is um, looks like they're wrong here because all these advanced metrics they don't they don't think Kentucky's anywhere near that
0: yeah I mean one difference between this Kentucky team and other Calipari teams with this much talent is that they're not, and, and I'm kind of surprised by this because when I saw their roster before the season, Eric, it was like, oh, that's a team with just, that could just run out wing after wing after wing. And it's not really because, or at least it's not producing the way that you think of wings defensively where where they can switch everything and they can produce a lot of turnovers. But Kentucky does not have a very high turnover rate. Um, and as a result, you know, their defense deficiency has suffered a little bit despite having kind of an elite rim protector in, in Nick Richards. And despite having probably one of the two best on ball defenders in in at least guards in college basketball in Ashton Hagens. And still, you know, like Florida, you know, they're depending on the metric, anywhere from fifty about 50th in defensive efficiency to 70th. So, (laughs) uh, you know, kind of all over the place in terms of of how they defend. Right. I mean, they had, uh, you know, they had Johnny
1: Juzang and Keon Brooks, and then, you know, the one that everyone thought was going to be a big piece was uh, at the wing was Khalil Whitney, who is, you know, no longer with the program. Uh, So none of those guys really get reliable minutes or, or many minutes at all. And uh, that's something that's got to be really interesting because like, like you mentioned, Ashton Haggins has had a really good season. Um, To be honest, Ashton Haggins is is better this year than I thought he would be. Uh, Yeah. yeah, He's, he he has had a really good season and um, I didn't think that was going to be the case for him. So, uh, you know, I was wrong there. He's been better. And obviously Nick Richards has really come on the scene. And and I think when you look at those are, those being two of Kentucky's best players, like the matchup of Ashton Haggins and Andrew Nemhart, that's going to be a really good one. And the battle of Nick Richards and and Kerry Blackshear, that's going to be a really good one. But then when you say like you put Keontae Johnson out there, I'm just like, I don't know who Kentucky tries to match that with, and uh, that makes me feel really good about you know Florida's chances here because I, I think Keontae Johnson just uh, has a really really favorable matchup with with whoever they try to put out put out put out there against him because they play a lot of the three guards with Haggins uh, next to Emmanuel Quickly and Tyrese Maxey. I mean. Is Emmanuel quickly going to try to keep himself in front of Keontae Johnson, or uh, when they have Keontae Johnson at the four, is you know Nate Sestina or EJ Montgomery going to be able to <laughs> take him off the bounce? Like uh, you know, like this is uh, for Keontae Johnson to just have such an awesome game and now go into Kentucky without a clear player, a clear wing who can kind of match up with them. I mean, uh, this is a pretty juicy matchup.
0: Yeah, Nate Sestina uh, in the bottom third of SEC players that that are playing. Uh, over 20 minutes a game in the bottom third of defensive zone rating. So not a guy that, you know, another guy that his athleticism or lack thereof is kind of getting exploited. And um, now he did get hot from, from three point range in Kentucky's last game, which raised an eyebrow because the other, this is a really good offensive team. Um, even though they haven't really been a team that can wing you to death. for Some of the reasons that Eric stated, but, uh, but they have gotten a lot better on offense and are much better on offense than I thought. They would be largely because Eric identified the growth of Richards. Another guy that's playing really good basketball is Emmanuel Quickly.
1: Yeah, he has been really good, and he's someone that uh, uh, the Kentucky really needs to to do the dribble drive offense that obviously Calipari runs a lot of. That's always kind of been his thing, and uh, usually it hasn't you know, gone super well. Like They're, they're teams that have always been known for their defense not really their offense and uh i I really feel like when i watch them play like uh higgins is actually you know higgins has been better offensively than i than i would have expected but uh he's he's not the same threat as quickly and i think quickly just is the well he's really the one catch and shoot three point well uh is as well sorry but at the in the back quarter on the wings like uh, the one—the one really, you know, threat to catch and shoot is quickly. So uh, when he kind of spots up and has the chance to shoot, he's already already making defenses respond to him that way. And and he's someone who can attack a closeout or uh, if someone leaves his feet, expecting three-point shot, uh, quickly can go make something happen. So uh, I, I really do think he's probably the the player that I'd be most concerned about with uh, in regards to how Florida's going to stop him, just because you know we have seen these kind of. Offensive-minded off guards have some good matchups, uh, some good games against Florida. So, uh, yeah, I think quickly is the guy you got to kind of key in on.
0: Yeah, they, they have—they've only been making five threes a game, um, which huh. is a really, really low number in this era of basketball. And and it kind of begs the question of what do you think the scout is for Florida defensively, particularly when Kerry Blackshear is on the floor.
1: Uh, well, one thing that I thought was really interesting was uh, in the Arkansas game. Uh, Arkansas ran a lot of the, the dribble drive stuff that, that Kentucky does where they, um, you know, you think about a dribble handoff. A lot of times that's uh, you think about the player with the ball and he's handing off to a player um, who's running behind him. Like the player going further away from the hoop to get the basketball. But Arkansas had some, some of the actions where. Uh, They would kind of have Mason Jones running towards the ball and running in front of the player with the ball and, uh, and getting it and turning it. And Florida got caught in some of those, like um, what, you know, one player thought they were switching one player thought they were, uh, they were just staying with them. And, and they got kind of caught in some of these, uh, some of these dribble drive, like uh, gap plays. They're kind of referred to where uh, you, you want to start driving towards uh, like, so say I'm, I'm giving a dribble handoff to Neil. Um, I start to drive towards Neil's defender, uh, before dribble handle dribble handoffing dribble handoffing to, to neil uh,
0: <laughs> and, and
1: that just uh that can kind of create some uh, uh it creates some indecision with the uh, with the defense and it can also start to create a little bit of a gap for neil to drive through so uh yeah so i saw arkansas doing a lot of that and they did it actually really well like when you saw mason jones going to just town and some like there's a couple times where he got some of those plays uh and just started going towards the hoop just completely unguarded because florida had a breakdown and uh, so anyway, so that's something that I see from Kentucky a lot. And they, that's really right out of the Calipari playbook. And uh, that's, what's actually kind of convenient about playing Kentucky off Arkansas where it's, it's actually a lot of the same, same kind of actions. And uh, like you said, uh, how do they, how does it kind of affect when Kerry Blackshear is on the floor? Uh, it's kind of interesting because they don't involve the, the bigs in those dribble handoff kind of actions a, a ton. A lot of it is guard to guard or uh, wing to guard and, uh, but uh, you always have the threat that they're going to throw it down into Nick Richards and post up. And uh, he's someone who is uh, drawing fouls with, with the best of them this year. And we know that Carrie Blackshear has uh, uh, is someone that has picked up a lot of fouls. Um, you know, like Malik Grady, our, our friend just threw something out in a, I think was, I forgot if he threw it out on Twitter or in a group chat or something, but uh, <laughs> he just talked about like, Hey, do you even want to start Kerry Blackshear in these, these kind of games? Like, I, I'm not sure I'd go that far, but I mean like if, if ever a game to, to roll out the two bigs together, um, I, I think you want to get Omar Payne guarding Nick Richards as much as
0: possible. Yeah, I think you have to. And, and the other thing that's interesting is, despite Florida's struggles in pick and roll coverage with Carey, like the Gators actually rank 47th in the country, according to Hooplins, in in field goal percentage allowed near the rim. So it's not like people are feasting off the pick and roll. It's just been where this defense in particular is vulnerable, I think, Eric. And I thought that stat was really fascinating. But then I dug a little deeper. And what I think is the reason is that Florida ranks third in the country in uh points off defensive or offensive rebounds. So the Gators, even when teams offensive rebound, Florida's doing a nice job of protecting the rim near the basket and making people reset their offense at a rate that's way better than the rest of the country. The, those numbers are from Hooplands on Haslametrics, Florida's. Uh, fourth in second chance points allowed, and 17th off offensive rebounds. So still, uh, that's a really, really good number and kind of an interesting one that speaks to uh, how Florida could potentially negate something Kentucky is good at. Yeah, and that's something that's been pretty interesting. Uh,
1: Another just like weird thing about Kentucky is that they they haven't been their normal – Uh, self on the glass so they still offensive rebound quite well I mean they're 80th in the country and that's that's a good rate for you know especially a power fight because there's like a bunch of like low major teams right skew the numbers by (laughs) sending five people to the glass all the time so so Kentucky has offensively rebound well but uh they have they've actually been really poor defensively rebounding the ball they're 200th in defensive rebounding rates so uh that's something that's kind of interesting but but you know we are talking about offensive rebounding I I think that's going to be uh going to be really interesting uh, to see how Florida defends just because you don't really have to be concerned about a lot of shooters so if a Kentucky player does start to drive and and Kerry Blackshear starts to rotate over I I really think these these wings or guards on the weak side of the floor can can get over there and try to deter that dumping pass to to Nick Richards or get a body on him so if the, the initial layup is missed he can't get an offensive rebound because you know if you get hit by a ball fake and he goes and throws it out to, to you know Johnny's Juzang on the for a three-point shot I think you can live with that like uh, you can really live with like it was interesting too I mean Tyrese Maxey had that like unbelievable first game of the season that had us all like wow this guy's amazing this is the next Malik Monk he might be better than Malik Monk and he's you know shooting 29.5 percent from three so uh, yeah I really think you can uh, just uh, uh you know that first shot defense is huge but I just really think that the players can can probably rotate into the paint get bodies on the bigs and Uh, and really focus on taking away the offensive rebound because I think you take your chances with Kentucky shooting jump shots, even in their own gym.
0: Yeah, no, I I really do think you do that. The the other thing I I would point out, you know, while we talk about encouraging matchups, recognizing that it's still brutally difficult to win at Rupp Arena, um, would be getting back to this Keontae Johnson idea. You know, some people that have given Kentucky a lot of issues this year have been people that either have, like, really big physical guards, um, like Jermaine Cousinard, who who just destroyed them and is like, what, 6'5", 211, so pretty similar build to Keontae. Uh, AJ Lawson didn't play very well, but, but you know, Justin Manaya all at 6'6", 220, gave them fits. Uh, Utah was able to do some of that. So I, I do think that that's kind of Eric identified very early in the pod, kind of the key matchup uh, in the basketball game. Yeah, and especially when Keontae
1: Johnson's at the four, I mean, if he's getting guarded by uh, by EJ Montgomery, like, not only is it a matchup that Keontae Johnson can take off the dribble, it's also something that's like, hey, if Johnson is driving past EJ Montgomery, uh, that also means you have one less shot blocker in the paint because, you know, EJ Montgomery is, is, is trailing Keontae Johnson. So uh, I think that the more you can uh, involve Keontae Johnson in actions and get him going towards the hoop, that's just really big because if you get Andrew Nemhart trying, like, like Florida's offense really has been at their best when when it's been Andrew Nemhart to get into paint, but uh, if they're playing EJ Montgomery and, and and Nick Richards together, those are two really good shot blockers, and uh, it could just be tough for, for Nemhart to be a be a threat to score in there with his uh, with his own uh, offense. But if you get Keontae Johnson driving past Montgomery, I, that could really open things up. So uh, yeah, I just I, I see Keontae Johnson just generally playing great basketball. Uh, just you know had maybe his best game of the season against Arkansas. Uh, and I just think that,
0: uh, yeah, this could be this could
1: be uh, just a big one for him again against Kentucky.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I just hope that they go up there with confidence. They're, they're kind of – I don't want to say they're playing with house money because there's a lot to play for. Um, you know, I think it was Thomas Goldcamp tweeted that, you know, Florida actually does control its own destiny in the SEC. If Florida wins every game on their schedule, they are the SEC champions. Uh, there is no way that, that, that they – they do not win the sec if that occurs. So, uh, you know, that's a lot to play for. That's a spot. This team would have wanted to be in, you know, you'd love to have the Miss State game back. Maybe you'd love to have that last five minutes of the first half against LSU back, Eric. Um, but, uh, but you can't, so, you know, what do you got to do? You got to go to Rupp and, and beat a team that I think is not quite as good as its record, but certainly if you defend well, uh, you know they're a team that you can score on a little more than you used to be able to against Kentucky yeah I just I just can't get over how like
1: different this Kentucky is from from normal teams <laughs> where uh, yeah it's like yeah Kentucky's gonna be able to to score but uh, they've just been so poor defensively and they haven't defensively rebounded well and uh, yeah so I, I do think for that reason the the focus has got to be uh, has got to be defense and uh, i do think that florida is like starting to to play their best defense of the the season it feels like they've really started to turn it on and string together some really good uh really good defensive performances and and this is going to be their their first uh first really big challenge of the last couple games at least and uh, i think that florida does kind of have the the personnel to do this there's not like like i'm definitely concerned about the matchup of like hey is nick Richards just gonna like get fouled by Kerry Blackshear twice in the first two and a half minutes. Like
0: right, there's right. a little
1: bit of a worry there, but it, it's not like I have a huge concern about actually guarding those, those attempts. Um, while we were talking foul, uh, fouling, I've been uh, trying to find this number and I was able to do so uh, in terms of Kerry Blackshear getting fouled. Um, he shoots free throws on 34% of his post up in, uh, post-up attempts which is a ton so that doesn't even that doesn't even factor in uh, the times where he gets fouled uh, not in the act of shooting so uh but that, i mean and that's one of the storylines to watch too is uh nick richards and, and Kerry blackshear jr are two players that are like two of the best players in the country at drawing fouls and uh unfortunately uh blackshear is someone who picks up a lot more fouls than, uh, than nick richards does but uh, uh i feel like one of those players is going to go to the bench early with foul trouble and you just gotta you gotta hope that it's richards and not blackshear
0: yeah, no, I think it's huge and and you know like John Calipari said uh they they can't Kentucky cannot afford Nick Richards to get into foul trouble because EJ Montgomery has not taken that leap and because uh they aren't the roster we thought they were, right? I mean, they I think uh on Pom I saw Tyrese Maxey's playing 65% of his minutes right now at the at the 3. Um I don't think they ever thought that that was going to be something that they'd have to do. Uh, so it just gives you – it was either 62 or 65, Eric, but but it's, it is. It's is—it's a different kind of Kentucky team. That's not necessarily bad, and obviously they're still very well coached, in my opinion, and, and um, they still have a ton of talent. And, and then, you know, I, I would throw out in Rupp, they shoot a little better um, than they have on the road. Maybe wild card player would be like a Johnny Zhuang, just because, like he's the guy that can break the lid off. If if they're, if Florida's doing a good job inside, you know Kentucky will need to hit shots outside. They don't do that very well, even though they did at LSU. Juzang's one of the guys with Nate Sestada who can really open them up. Because if you if you can contain quickly, the numbers tell you they don't do that that well beyond him. But, um, you know, certainly Sestina can make him, JuZain can make him.
1: Yeah. What's, what they get from, uh, from Sestina is going to be really interesting because he's someone who you kind of thought would factor in, <laughs> factor in big earlier in the season where he was, you know, a starter playing a ton of minutes. I mean, uh, against LSU, he played 27 against Ole Miss. He played 13 against Vanderbilt in Tennessee. He played nine and eight. So like, he's kind of in and out of the lineup. And, and as much as you say, like, you know, is someone who can, who Kentucky really needed because he's like a rare floor space, spacing big. Uh, that's definitely true, but he definitely doesn't fit into their like dribble drive offense particularly right. well, in my opinion. He's got someone that's, uh, that obviously defends at a high level. He's just not a great athlete. Uh, so, but yeah, like he, he is, he is truly an excellent shooter. And uh, I thought, and he's actually shot a really good percentage this year. He just hasn't had a lot of attempts just because he hasn't had much of a role in the offense. And, uh, generating three point shots is not something Kentucky has ever done really well, but uh yeah, that's got to be someone you uh you have to think about as 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 some kind of a concern and uh yeah, what one question I have for you, Neil, uh who do you think Scottie Lewis guards this game? like how do you think Florida kind of deploys him?
0: uh so i I actually think it's it's Lewis versus Maxi. that would be my that'd be my matchup though I could see the temptation to go. Lewis quickly and and Florida did go Lewis Jones quite a bit in the Arkansas game it was actually fun to watch Scotty in person it's hard probably I don't know if how much of this was on TV but it was fun to watch Scotty working the refs and trying to get offensive fouls called on Mason Jones <laughs> and and uh <laughs> quickly is is uh equally adept at at clearing out with the elbow I, I've watched Kentucky quite a bit and you know, he, he does like to create space for himself with his arms.
1: Well, the moment that Lewis was like nearly thrown into the cheerleaders from like the free throw line, I, uh, that's definitely when he uh, got a little frustrated and started to yeah. but, no but I do things. but it'll be interesting because uh, yeah, yeah, like he's someone who like Florida hasn't really had these Scotty Lewis level athletes in a matchup with Kentucky for for a little while. And it's kind of funny that now that they have scotty lewis there's not a ton of wings out there for him to really naturally match up with but at the same time like if he is guarding a, a maxi who isn't having one of his on games like uh, can scotty lewis be one of those players who can kind of play a little bit of like free safety almost like we know that players away from the ball against kentucky can kind of cheat and, and stay in the paint because you're not as concerned about the three-point shot so uh, yeah could could scotty lewis be one of the guys that he kind of plays a little free safety, he rotates over, gets in passing lanes, blocks shots, and uh, someone that can really help out on the glass if uh, if Kerry Blackshear or Johnson are are rotating over to try to block a shot. Like uh, so, yeah, I I I kind of would would love to see something like that from him, but uh, uh, yeah, just because there isn't the the like you would have probably thought that he was matching up with Khalil Whitney when we talked about this matchup months ago. Um, obviously, that's not the case now, but. Yeah, he's going to be, uh, he could be used in a few different ways here. So that'll be interesting to see.
0: Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll let, let's close with with your thoughts on kind of Trey Mann as another guy that, that Florida might be able to create some mismatches with.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you got to look at just, uh, he is someone who's a little bit of the size kind of of, uh, other than Emmanuel quickly or Atari Max, even though, you know, like you said, they're maybe a little bit more, uh, more adept with a chicken wing uh, than Trey <laughs> Mann. But uh, I, I think that's, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting too because once again, like Ashton Haggins really has the defensive ability to like potentially take Andrew Nemhart out of this game. Like, right. I, I I love Nemhart, but I mean Ashton Haggins is a great player, and uh, I think the teams of teams that have done well against Florida have really schemed Nemhart out, and Haggins uh, really is as, as good of a point guard defender as there is in the country. So I think you've got to say like you know if if Nemhart's life is just extremely difficult, uh, who else is going to make a play and? to be a, i i i personally do not trust quez glover in that situation but i i'm you know i've started to, to trust trey, uh, trey Mann a lot more and i uh, i think too that uh that against uh against the kentucky team that's going to be playing a little bit uh, uh I, like they don't play as aggressively as they normally can because usually they have such good defenders that you might as well play super aggressively because they're going to be able to get back and protect the paint with their length and athleticism anyways. And uh, they don't really play with that same generosity. And I, I think the Trey man with a little bit of space uh, uh, could really be, uh, could really operate. And I think that, again, uh, we, we think this big performance room is coming. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's against Kentucky, but uh, I do think one that's uh, he's playing more and more confident at every game. And I think that this is one where uh, if it's like, Hey, Ashton Haggins is taking away Andrew Nembhard, but he has a chance to go to work on Tyrese Maxey. Uh, there, there could be some damage done there.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. So uh, 6 p.m. ESPN, the mothership. Uh, always fun to play Kentucky. You know, Rupp Arena. I'm ready for all the, the hot takes. I'm ready for all the tweets about playing the refs. Uh, I'm, I'm ready for it all, baby. It, it's exciting. It's, it, you know, you get your rival two times in the last five games. This is what it's all about, baby. Three three more games and then we're talking March. So uh, it's pretty exciting stuff, Eric.
1: It is super exciting. I I mean, I'm super looking forward to this game. And even though it's one that Florida is not going to be favored in, it's one that I think is super winnable. And uh, that's also why, like, once again, I'll say like, I I know that it says number 10 by Kentucky and then unranked next to Florida, but like the, there's just like no metric that would make you believe that Kentucky is a top 10 team. So I I really think this is a tight matchup and I think the matchups are fairly favorable to Florida. Like um, yes, there's a chance that Richards fouls out Blackshear and, Nemhart's taken out of the game by Higgins but I, I think you start to look at uh, Noah Locke sh- shooting just absolutely lights out, and you see that uh, Deontay Johnson I think is going to have a matchup uh, a matchup advantage over anyone who takes him. Like uh, yeah. this is a game that's that that I do think is is winnable for Florida and uh, tough games that you can see a path to to victory are are super fun and uh, I, yeah I'm I'm really looking forward to this one.
0: It's going to be a good one. Uh, we will be back to talk about it. After it happens uh, this weekend, we'll do a show, preview the. I think they got LSU, right? Yeah, LSU game <laughs> next week. Uh, I couldn't remember if they were Kentucky, Georgia, or that. Of course, it's Murderer's Row. So, um, yeah, fun times. But enjoy, uh, enjoy the game. If you haven't checked out the Graham Hall Pod yet, check it out. And um, yeah, we'll see you on the other side. Bye, bye, everybody.